0: I remember living this time when I was living in, uh, if you'd like to go for children's church, you are now dismissed. Uh, I remember this time when I was living in uh, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and it was, it was early spring, and it was a beautiful day out. It was sunny, and, and I was like, you know what, I am going to, uh, I'm going to shoot over to Culver's, and I'm going to eat at Culver's for lunch. And the reason why, I, do you guys enjoy Culver's? Yeah, okay, okay, okay. I know, I, I feel like there's just the one around here, so I didn't know, if, okay, okay. So, actually there's two, never mind. I take that back. But anyways, so I'm eating at Culver's, and I'm enjoying it, and, and I'm sitting there, and it's nice outside, and I'm the only one sitting outside, and, and, and all of a sudden I hear, I hear this voice, and, 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 and the voice goes, hey! Um, and, and the person, before I tell you any more about this, the person who is calling my, or calling for me, I didn't know it was me yet, is, is this lady, she's driving a minivan, she has her hair like in a ponytail. She's wearing a hat. She, she looks like, comp- not that I should be judging people, but she looked like, and she probably was, the complete soccer mom, okay? That's what she looked like. Her minivan could have had a decal on it that said soccer mom. So I'm sitting there, and I'm eating and a Reuben sandwich. Details are important. Um, <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and I'm eating this Reuben sandwich, and I hear the, hey, and, and I don't look because I'm pretty sure she's not talking to me, okay? So I'm minding my own business, and then I hear it again. Hey! So, so I, and I have food in my mouth, so I look over her, and she goes, and, and she, says, she says, hey, I go, like, because I have food in my mouth. So I give her the nod, like, hi, you know? And, 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 and then she says, the Yankees suck, and so do you. Because <laughs> I was wearing a Yankee hat, and I'm like, Okay, you know, like, I, I don't know what I can say to this lady at this point. I just know what she had said to me. I laughed it off, and I'm telling this story because it happens often to me when I'm wearing a Yankees hat that people will come up to me, and they'll ask me, why do you like the Yankees? Like, why? And, and then I'll tell them, like, well, I like the history of baseball, and, and the history of baseball is full of stuff that includes the Yankees, and, and, that's why I get, I get the eye roll. I get, okay, whatever, history, you know. And then and then I said, well, let me ask you a question, you know. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this to them. Do you realize how good the Yankees are for baseball? And they'll, they'll be like, what? And I'll be like, listen, the Yankees are great for baseball because they're the evil team, right? Everybody loves to cheer against the Yankees unless you're a Yankees fan, okay? So it's... it's it's the world against the Yankees. They've, they've created this, this, this evil empire, and they're the evil ones. And, and so there's a reason for it. In the 90s and um, 80s, 90s, early 2000s, they would just pay for any player they wanted to get. So if you're a Twins fan, you really hate the Yankees because they would have a, 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 a player who's getting better and better and better, and then they're thinking, oh, maybe we can keep them. And the Yankees come along, and they say, oh, we can pay you more money. <laughs> and they take the player. And the Yankees were notorious for doing this. So, and that's the New York way. So, anyway, so, but the thing about it is, we actually love to to hate the villain. So, if you follow baseball and you follow the Yankees, people actually do like the Yankees because whenever the Yankees would go to an opposing stadium, when they went to a place where it wasn't their home stadium, those would be the games where those teams, the small market teams, where they don't fill up their stadiums, those would be the games where they fill up their stadiums, okay? Those would be, everyone has to go and see the Yankees, okay? And they're really hoping that their team wins that whole David Goliath versus the Goliath thing. They want to they see their small team beat the big Yankees. But I'm telling you this because we, we, we need the villains sometimes to make our stories great. You know what I mean? Oh, we, 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 we need we need. Let me give you one more. Yeah. Okay. Allow me to illustrate this to you, okay? So here we go. I'm, I'm gonna, he's going to put up a slide for me. Um, name that bad guy. Who are the bad guys in this movie? Can you see that? Anybody remember the name of the bad guys? The there it is. Well, don't forget the mom. <laughs> she said the Fratelli brothers. No, it was the mom too. She was just as bad. You know, yep, yep. Okay, let's, let's do another one. This is my, this, this so there they are. Let's do one more. Go to the next one. Name the bad guy in that movie. Okay, see I, I knew that was an easy one. Okay, so let's go, so there he is. Okay, next one. Who's the bad guy in this one? You guys know this one? That's Rio. Nigel was the bad bird, who knew that one? Was that you, Cam? Cam got one right, well, yeah! So, okay, and it was also Marcel. Marcel was the guy who owned the white bird, Nigel, okay? So there they are, okay? Who's the bad? This is from all my older friends. So who's the bad? Yeah! <laughs> Everyone's cheering for the shark today. But, you know, if, if I were to give you one more, it's not on the slide, but if I were to give you one more, think about the book To Kill a Mockingbird. Who is the evil one in this book? Some would say it's the father of the girl that was hurt, but the true evil in this movie is racism and hatred. See, that's That's sin. That's sin. And now as we read the book of Romans, I want us to start by looking at something. I want us to start by looking that in the book of Romans, there's a, there's a good guy and there's a bad guy, okay? And we're going to read this because it's important for us as we, as we start to understand what Paul is trying to communicate to us through the book of Romans. We're going to be going through the book of Romans chapter by chapter for the next 16 weeks. We actually only have 15 weeks to the fall kickoff, so one chapter will get kicked off, booted out. You'll have to figure out which one of that is on your own. But um, so before we do this, let's pray, and then we're going to read the, the, the text for today, which is the same two verses that we read at the beginning of the service. So let's, let's pray. Uh, Dear Lord Jesus, may your words speak to our hearts, our minds, our souls. May you have your way with us. May your Holy Spirit be ever, so ever active in this building. Lord, may you, may you. Rid us of the baggage that we came in with. May you rid us of what's going on in our minds and our to-do lists and our graduation parties and everything else we have today, Lord. But instead, may you just, uh, may you give us 20 minutes here, 25 minutes to sit here and hear about your word and what you communicated to us. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so today we're going to start with, that's a little small and I apologize for that. That's my fault. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. I'll read them to you. These two verses are important. But, but first, uh, if, if you were to sit down and you were to read the book of Romans, and we're inviting you to do that, go ahead and read Romans chapter 1 this week and chapter 2, because we'll preach on Romans chapter 2 next week. But um but if you were to read the book of Romans and you start off in verse, in, in, in uh chapter 1, chapter 1 can be a little heavy. It's a, it's a little harsh when you read it. And the opening chapter or verses. Uh, Paul is, is, is talking, he's giving a greeting, and I'm going to come back to that in a minute, but then he gets to our verses, and then towards the end of the first chapter of Romans, he hammers us. He, he, he lays the smack down on us about our sin and who we are. And, and, and it can be um, tough for us sometimes with, if we were to just sit there and, and not read the rest of it and everything else, but it's, 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 it's about God's wrath and man's sin, he talks about how man openly sins in so many ways, trading, and this is what it is, the book of Romans is going to be talking to us about how sinful we are and how we trade the truth of God for a lie, for the lie of man, okay? So, and, and, and how we do this for our own desires. But going back to the opening illustration, there's a good guy in the book of Romans, and there's a bad guy. And this time, I don't want there to be any guessing. The one who is right, the one who is good, the one who is compassionate, the one who is redeeming, it is God, it is Jesus Christ, it is the Holy Spirit. So let me give you a couple important words as we get started. There's going to be three words we're going to start with here, okay? And they're a little, bit, it's a little bit bigger, a little bit different than how I usually preach to you, but, but this, today it's important to have it this way. We have the word theology, which is the study of the nature of God. It's, it's who we believe God to be. It's what, it's what we think of God in our mind as, as we define who he is, okay? We believe God to be pure. We believe him to be without sin. We believe God to be just. We believe God to be loving. We believe him to be creative and all-knowing, and the list goes on, okay? That's the starting point of who we think God is, right? Anything important I should, I'm leaving out right there when you think of who God is? Okay, next one we're gonna go on to is, is Christology, and that is the study of who Christ is, you know, who do we believe Jesus Christ is, and this is important because we live in a world where some people would say Jesus is just a man, or Jesus was a good teacher, or Jesus, and the, and the list can go on. But but our Christology, the the Christology we get of Jesus when we read God's word, is a little bit different. It's not a little bit different. It's it's truthful, and and this one, when we look at the with that, we look at who Christ is. We see He is God. He is in creation. He is God's son. He's 100% God and he's 100% man. And we can talk about that one another time because that one gets in our head and and it's hard to comprehend that. Um, But he's giving and he's sacrificial and he's forgiving. What else is he? Am I leaving anything out? He's pretty good, right? Okay, so that's who, and that's why I'm saying we have the good guys in Roman. So we're looking at the Christology. And then we have one more word for us today. And this is, this, is, this is an important one. We, it's a word called anthropology, okay? And that is our belief of who mankind is. Who do you believe mankind to be? Anybody want to say? I got a list, and I'm going to r- rattle them off in a second here, but anybody want to speak up? Wretched. Wretched. Sinners. Filthy. What? Filthy. Filthy. If, if, if we were to be honest, and we are, it, it's hard for us to sometimes see man as good because it's hard for us to see him as good because when you look out, tell me your neighbor who isn't hurting. Tell me the kid who hasn't been abused. Tell me about the the, the kid who's cutting themselves and and you see it in schools and in youth groups. Tell me about those who are hooked on heroin. Tell me about those who are doing meth. Tell me, because that meth, they didn't make it themselves, they bought it. I can go on and on and tell you about the, the, the things that are wrong and bad about man and how man searches out after their own desires so, the study of man, the one who turns from what is right, the one who does the wrong thing, the one who gives into their own desires, the one who sins, the one who hurts other people, the, one, the ones who are the bad guys in the story, and if you want to be really honest, the, the bad guy in the story, because Romans is speaking to us, it makes us the bad guy. We have the good guy, we have God, and we have the bad guy who is us. And I understand how that can be hard for us to hear sometimes, but, but the story is... And I'll give you the, the end of right here. The, the story is about the good guy who loves the bad guy, okay, despite where you're at. But let's move on, okay? It's not easy for us to look at this way. This is part of, because each part of us believes that there's something good inside of us. We, we think that we can be a little bit righteous. But the problem with this is, is that the world that we live in points too much to, to an anthropology, a study of man that proves that man's not good, you give me a case where you think a person, I'm gonna talk about this at the end, but like you give me a case where some of you think someone's good and, and I'm not trying to find the sins and faults in somebody, but if we were then go up there and ask that person, they'll tell you the truth, okay? And then sometimes I think we come to church and we, and we look around and we and I've done this before, man. I, I, my, my, the pastor I grew up with, man, I, I, when I when Jesus found me in my sin, the person who I was, I mean, this little wannabe gangbanger doing drugs, everything you can, I don't even want to say them all, violent, all those, thi- I was a thief, man, I would steal like crazy. I mean, all these things that, that you would, and then I, I meet this guy named Brian Pearson, and, and I'm not kidding you, for years I wondered, man, what's this guy's sin? This guy does not mess up. But now that I'm older, and I know him. He's one of my all. He's my he's my favorite male figure, mentor guy in this world. Um, you know, uh, I know who he really is, and, and he's open with it and stuff like that. But but um, we 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 see it. It's hard for us to admit that we we're not who we want to be sometimes. But the truth is, we're just not. And and there's this theologian. His name is Martin Luther. I like him a lot. Also, um, he writes this about the book of Romans. There'll be a quote here behind me. He says this about the book of Romans. The chief purpose of this letter is to break down, to pluck up, and to destroy all wisdom and righteousness of the flesh. The purpose of this book is to, to get us to understand how deep our sin issue really is. This includes all the works which, in the eyes of people, or even in the eye, our own eyes, may be great works. No matter, no matter whether these works are done with a sincere heart and mind, the, the, this letter is to affirm and state and magnify sin, no matter how much someone insists that it, it does not, or that it well, I'm sorry, or that it was believed to exist. And we, we believe that sin exists, and, and when it talks about the magnifying of sin there, you know, when you magnify sin and you are forgiven of it, what are you also magnifying? Forgiveness. Grace. It is. Like, the, the, the greater of a sinner I am, the greater the, the, the forgiveness that's been given to me. It shows how great God's love is. Romans is about God speaking through Paul to get people to see their sinfulness and God's grace for man. Romans is about God, God getting to peop- people to see that they're, that they're drowning in the middle of an ocean and he is their lifeline. And the thing about this is this. Paul sees it and Paul knows it. In verse 16 he says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentiles. Meaning that, that Jesus was going to use the Jews to bring this message to the Gentiles is what that means. But, but it's a little weird for Paul to say that he's not ashamed of the gospel. But let's talk about this because it has multiple meanings. First, um, he says this not because he's ashamed, but because Paul knows what he was. Paul was a Pharisee. He could, he could read the Old Testament. He could teach the Old Testament. He knew it. Um, he knew about the coming kind of Messiah and he knew how to obey it, you know, so he, he advanced because of his ob- ability to obey. And now he's moved on from depending on his own works, his own obediency, and his good deeds, and he is now dependent on Christ, which is the second thing about that. He's dependent on Christ, which would be a little silly to do if you were to come out at that time and say, you know, I believe in Jesus, here's a guy who was who looked up to, who's a good teacher, all these things, and now he's saying, no, don't see me being good because of this. See me as forgiven because of this. And what this is, is God. This is what Jesus does inside of me. And, and, and this would be something some people would be ashamed of because of this reason that Jesus was killed on a cross. And to the Jewish people, that was a curse. That to be killed on the cross, I mean, you're worshiping a, a dead guy is what they're saying. And Paul's saying, no, I'm not. Paul states that the good news is the power of God that brings salvation. Paul knows it's not about his works that bring salvation. Paul knows that the gospel has transformational power, and he knows it so much that he opens his letter in Romans with it. There's a slide up here. Let me see if you see it. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, Romans 1.1. And here's Paul's transformation when you look at it. Paul went from being a Pharisee, a ruler of the religious class, to a servant. I want you to think about that. He lived to be lifted up and be known for being the righteous, the good guy, the one who dressed up. You know what I mean? Never missing a church Sunday, always giving more than he needed, you know, always doing the right thing. People would see him, and that's what they thought. And, and he went from being lifted up to opening up about who he is in that first verse. Paul is now, what does he call himself? A servant called to be an apostle. He went from one who earned his stripes by his works to being called by God. He wanted to earn it at one time, and now he realizes it's being gifted to him. Paul went from chasing and killing those who believed to one who believes himself. He believes and he believes in Jesus Christ. And if you were to stop and read. Chapter 1, from Paul's perspective, you would see that he is writing with so much passion and care. He's writing as if you would think he knew his friends were openly rejecting who Jesus Christ is. He's trying to, to call them out from their sin and call them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I believe, and we know that Paul has a heart to tell people about Jesus' his saving grace. He was a man who went from place to place, town to town, village to village, proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. This good news has the ability to save us, all of us, male and female, black and white, you and me. It is for everyone who believes. It doesn't differentiate between sins. It doesn't differentiate between sins. Sometimes, and like I said, this book is trying to magnify our sins because we think, oh, my sins... Not that bad, but that person's is, and and that's not what this is about. It's about saving us from the depravity of our sins. And Paul wants the people, he wants the readers of this lesson to fully see the depravity of their sin, and he writes this in verse 28 through 32 when he writes this. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, God gave them over to a depraved man, a mind, so that they might do what ought, what they, so that they would, they would do what they ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit and malice. They are gossip, slanders, God-haters, insolent, arrogant and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love. And no mercy. Does that sound like some of us? Paul is trying to get us to see that we need a good guy. Paul is trying to get us to see that we are not the good guy. Go back to our study of anthropology, our study of who man is, and look at the, the list of sins. In fact, look at your sin. Don't look at your neighbors. Look at yours. Look at your own heart. Look at your own mind. Look at your own soul. Look at your own uh, computer web browser history. Look at your own, your own spending habits. Look at the way that you treat your mom and dad. Look at the way that you look at your neighbors. Look at that. <clears throat> I'm going to tell you something about sin. Sin's addicting. And for us to think it's not a silliness. Let me give you one. I am an avid Coke drinker, okay? If there's something I love, it's Coke. I love it. I mean, I don't just love it. If you go to Quick Star in the morning between the times of, like, usually I get up and I take my kids to school, and as soon as I'm done taking my kids to school, I stop at Quick Trip here, Quick Trip. And I go to Quick Trip, and I walk in there, and I grab the Big Buddy. I fill it three-quarters of the way up with ice. And then I fill it up with Coke, and then I put a little more ice on it, and I put a little more Coke, and I'm always trying for the perfect pour. How much can I get in there without getting any over the end? And then I take my, my, my Coke, and I put it on the counter, and then if I were to stick the straw in it, it would overflow, so I put the straw into the green thing, and then I, I slowly put the straw in like because I suck out every drop I can, because I don't want to spill any, because I like it. Matter of fact, Man, I, this is not a joke. I remember drinking Coke from, like, being, like, a kid, like, three, four years old. I mean, like, like I will, I'll joke with my friends that I went from, like, nursing my, from my mother to, uh, to, to having a Coke bottle in my mouth. That's who I was. That's how much I loved it. Like, how I started, how it happened, how my parents allowed it to happen, I have no idea, but it's the truth. I currently drink between, at a minimum, 1,200 calories of Coke a day probably on average, 17 to 2,000 calories a day. No joke. If you, or Mountain Dew, but mostly Coke. Never Pepsi. (laughs) Either way, one time I went one year without it. It's about, uh, probably like seven years ago, I, I think it's five years ago, seven years ago, I went to Chad, Africa. And I was one year into not having any Coke. But you know, inside of you, there's something that craves There's a craving that's there. And when you're walking around Chad, Africa, for some reason, you can find warm, dirty water or you can find cold Coke in a glass bottle. In the middle of Chad, no electricity, no running water. They must have some electricity. I don't know how they get the cold Coke, but they always have some cold Coke somewhere. You're in the middle of a village. They don't have medicine, but they have cold Coke. And we're there, and it's hot. And I see this cold Coke, and what do you think I do? Yo, I went and got it. I went and got it. You got that right. I got it. I cracked it open. I drank it. And then I bought two more, like instantly. And you know what I did on that commercial? That's real. (laughs) That's not fake. That's not made up. That is 100% real. And the thing about it is this. That is who we are in our sin that we think we can give it up. We can try to fight it, and I believe in the process of sanctification, but there's something about it when we give in to our sin that we have this, I enjoyed it. It's why I did it. It's why I broke God's laws. It's why I broke his commandments. But then we see in verse 17, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. What does it say? The righteous will live by what? Faith. Notice how it doesn't say the righteous will live by your by your actions. The, those who have been redeemed, the righteous, the good, the perfect, they will live by their own actions? No. The righteous will live by faith, and it's not faith in what they have done. We go back and we look at this, it's 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 the righteousness it's, it's, it's of God. It's 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 his perfection done and put inside of us. I do not live by good works. It is not my good works. Uh, going back to Martin Luther, he was a, he was a guy who, who was in training to be in the ministry. And while he's preparing for ministry to, to be a priest, he was one who wanted to earn it. He wanted to excel. He was, In my mind, I think he was super competitive, but maybe that's not what it was about. Maybe it was more about, him just just wanting to be completely um pure and whole but it would say that that while he was in school and in his cloister that he would he would he would pray more than all the other people around him he would confess more that he would go into a confession booth and he would confess his sins for hours and hours and hours and the priests who were listening to him were like i am done listening to you (laughs) like stop you stop And, and 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 he would he would he would fast the most and 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 he would read the most, and, and I mean, he was, he was trying to do everything that he could to be righteous. And then he comes across this verse, and this is the verse, this was his aha verse. This is the verse that opened his eyes. The righteous will live by faith. It is gifted to us, it is imputed to us. It is something that God does in us. He creates in us a righteousness. I'm going to close with why this matters. When we don't understand the good and the bad, we break. I remember a person I knew who always thought they were so good. And, 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 I, and I, I know this person loves Jesus, but, but this person would live their life and they were always so good, always so good, always so good. And people would look at this person and say, You're such a good person. They look at their family members and be like, Man, your relative is so good. Does all the right things, says all the right things, cares for people, you know, you would just see this person and you would be like kind of enamored by this person. But the thing is, what happens when he isn't good or she isn't good? And the world finally gets to see that you're a broken person and then you become beat up because you realize that you can't live that perfect life. That's what happened to Paul. Paul realized he couldn't live perfectly. It's what happened to, to most of the great theologians in this world. They get to the point where they realize that they can't live out their own righteousness. It's what makes Paul so great, and Luther, and all these other theologians. And, then, and, it's, and it's what the gospel is all about, it's what Romans is about. Because when you get to the point when you realize that it's not about your good works, because your good works aren't good works, but you start to depend on Jesus' good works, that the burden is lifted when you realize that grace is something that is given and undeserved. Not not given and earned, given and undeserved. That is what Jesus is. That is what he gives to us. That's what he places in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls. That's why we come here, so we we hear it weekly. Going without hearing the good news isn't good for us because then we we sink into a state of like, man, Christianity is not for me. I'm not good enough. When that that thought hits you, say amen. You aren't fooling anybody. There's no, oh, Jesus is going to be disappointing me today. Dude, he knew that yesterday. (laughs) He knew that when he died for you. And he still died for you. He still died for me. Say it with me. The righteous will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, may you be the one who works. May you be the one who guides us. May you be the one who sinks into our hearts, minds, and souls right now, Lord. Convict us. Help us to repent, Lord. Even It's hard for us even to repent. We want to hold on. But Lord, you are glorious. You are forgiving. You're all-knowing. You're all-compassionate. So, Lord, today, help us to lay down our sins. Lord, I lay down my sins. I give them to you. And, Lord, I know that you impute your righteousness in me. And we say thank you. Amen.